I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. We'll be hearing today from Virginia poet John Barry. He's the author of the book Wobbly Man, and in addition to reading his poems, he will be telling the story of how he came back to poetry after being pretty much a lost soul for several decades of his adult life. It's a story that will demonstrate that, in fact, poetry truly can save your life. And then we'll be looking at the relationship of poetry to communication with persons with dementia and talking about how poetry can actually connect with persons with dementia, even in the later stages. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our featured poet today is John Barry from Virginia. He's a man with a story to tell about how he came to poetry, a person who can, who can truly say poetry saved his life. He's the author of Wobbly Man, and uh, he has just recently uh, developed a plan to get active in support of the Dakota Access Pipeline protesters. So a very uh, timely thing that John's uh, involved with. So welcome to Poetry Spoken here, John. Hey, thank you, Charlie. And it's really, (laughs) it's such a pleasure to be here. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of your show. I, I promote it, you know, far and wide and, and as far as I can, and, and just really happy to be here. Yeah, that's what we like to hear. <laughs> we like all the support we can get, and mainly we want listeners for the poets for you, you know, uh, and all of them. Now, um, as I said, you've got, you've got a, a story about how you came to have poetry save your life. I think people would be interested to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Charlie, I, uh, as a lot of us as poets were, you know, we, we wrote a lot when we were kids and, and I did, um, matter of fact, my, one of my earliest childhood memories was, um, in grade school, you know, having, having the other little boys, you know, come up and, Hey, would you write a poem, you know, that I can give to my girlfriend, you know, then <laughs> he was like, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it just kind of came naturally and they were, you know, silly little rhyming poet, you know, poems, but, um, but, you know, through my uh, teens and into my early 20s, I, uh, um, I wrote a lot and I was very, very passionate about it. And really, I, something very devastating happened to me. Um, I grew up. Uh, and I, I mean, I know it sounds kind of funny to say, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, in making that, that transition from childhood to adulthood, I forgot about what it is, how important it is to hold on to the vulnerability of your childhood and spontaneity that, that, you know, drew that poetry out of you. And it wasn't long before I, I, you know, I bought a house, I married, I had a child, a beautiful child. I mean, I dearly love my son. Um, I, I'd always you know, been a carpenter, and, and um, so I gravitated into having my own contracting business. And long and short of it, I uh, did what probably most of us do. I, I became very um, caught up in the, the realities of being an adult and paying bills and, and not giving time for myself to, um, to do things that, that – 
nourished me, that nourished mm -hmm. my soul. Um, I also have a uh, have had uh, a tremendous um, penchant for alcohol and drug abuse, um, and I, I I drank every day for thirty years. You know, beginning from when I was you know in my late teens and and you know all the way up through my forties and. I, you know, looking back on it now, I know what that was. It was a, it was a way to, it was a way to a block out my feelings, but it was also a way to, is also was a way for me to feel, um, and a way for me to, uh, um, I guess to, you know, resentment had a lot to do with, with, with where I was in life. Um, you know, being resentful that, that I didn't, you know, didn't have that that childlike sense of uh, of wonder that I used to have. Um, no. I wasn't really thinking of it in those terms at that time, but um, but yeah, you know. So yeah. I'm confirmed alcoholic, but, you know, and and tried every drug under the under the sun. Well, not all of them, but you know, um, a good sampling, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now you broke out of that path. How did how did you do that? In my late forties. At the age of 47, I was, uh, you know, 50 pounds heavier than I am now. I, I just, I was in such physical misery that, that I really and truly, <laughs> the thought of living until I was 60 years old, even, you know, living another 10 years, knowing how miserable I felt then was just, it, it was completely inconceivable to me. I, 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 couldn't even imagine how bad I would feel at that age if I kept on the way that I was. Um, I had picked up a nice little methadone habit of all damn things. Uh, um, a guy that I was working with, you know, hey, here, try this. And, and you know, I, I never went the heroin route, but I tried the methadone and it, it gave me a, you know, sort of a pick me up kind of high. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm, you know, sampling it on a regular basis. And in February of, uh, I guess it was 2013. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think so. 2013, 14. I, I can't think of it right now, but, um, I was so miserable that, that I, I knew, you know, something had to give. And, um, at first I was like, well, you know, I gotta stop doing the, the methadone. And I did, I started, I, I <laughs> stopped cold turkey and um the withdrawals from that are terrible they're 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 absolutely hor just horrific um so being as i was feeling as bad as i was about you know, under the throes of, of that withdrawal i wasn't drinking so as i moved around into this and 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 in the midst of my misery i i was like it really came to the understanding you got to stop you know let, let's just let's keep doing this you're not going to feel any worse than you do right now um so i did and and quite honestly you know how i have never even had the slightest shred of of inkling to go back to that i can really only chalk it up to uh to support from spirit um guardian angel whatever what do you want to call it spirit krishna grandfather god mm -hmm. you know to ganshala huh. it really doesn't matter it's all and somehow in there poetry came back to you 
Yes, it did. Um, about, I don't know, six months after I got clean, um, I was at a men's retreat, got up really early one morning, and, and I went in and sat by the wood stove and wrote a poem. And I was like, wow, man, that really felt good. Gosh, I haven't done that in so long. And the next morning I got up, you know, 4.30 something in the morning, and I wrote another one. And another one and another one. And I just, I couldn't stop. Um, nor did I want to, yeah. to say. Um, it was like a, a faucet had been you know, turned on in me. And I, I literally just started writing, you know, every single day, you know, and, and just reconnecting with the spirit of poetry that, that I always had. I mean, I, you know, even, even in the, in my worst times, I always, I always still felt that poetry there, you know, and, and, and I, I missed it. I really, really missed that connection. Um, but it was, I knew it was still there, but I, I buried it under an awful lot of just junk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in reconnecting with it, uh, I just, you know, the next thing I know, I mean, I've been writing every day for, you know, several months and, and then lo and behold, I, I meet our mutual friend, Michael Zarnecki and Michael is, has become one of my, you know, he's such an inspiration to me. I, 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 I love that man so dearly and he's, introduced me to so many wonderful people. I know you through Michael. I, I, I made me aware of the Bridgewater International Poetry Festival in Bridgewater, Virginia. I went there. I met a zillion people. I met my publisher there. And long and short, Charlie, I, I've, you know, I've started sending things out to journals. I started getting, you know, sure. published. I had an offer to, you know, to publish my own or to, to have a book published and, and did it. Um, there you are. It's a great story. It is. Yeah, thank you. We, we better hear a poem, I think. Oh, okay, great. This was kind of this was inspired by. Uh, I love Lawrence Fer Ferlinghetti. Uh, no, no big stretch yeah. there, really. But um, uh, I have a an iTunes uh, recording of his, um, and he reads blind you know, blind poet. So this was you know kind of where this came from. Uh, the name of the or the title of the poem is "On Contemplating the Contemplation of One's Navel." And it has a short epigraph here. I am your blind poet, but I am not Homer. I am your blind poet and painter. I am contemplating my navel. That's Lawrence. That I've ever given it more than a passing thought, I cannot say. Given it more than a probe with a finger, a curious glance beneath its folds to see what lurks, to see what lints and dirts are nesting there, content in their cave, out of the fray of showerhead storms. But it has rarely been the focus of my meditation. I have not sat to consider this little cup, this mouth now shut, who sucked the blood and salt of my mother, who persists even now as more than a scar that which scabbed, was picked, then peeled, then faded, leaving only a story behind. When I was a drinking man and in the thirties turned into forties, it pressed itself from its cozy, quiet home into a, into a fleshy bud as though it was about to burst a visceral flag of alarm, a gory lotus flower seeking to draw my attention to the struggle within. It was heard and it has retreated. It has sunken back to sleep, 
a troubled sleep, still tensed from its labors, but finding its comfortable pillow of lint once again, hovering over the lam, under the ram, inside the vam of the chakras, alive as yet, aware, vigilant shepherd cocking an ear for the wolves in my hairy belly fields. What may Lawrence have seen as he breezed above his own tiny orb, but the beats and the freights and the lights of the city? What of the Buddha? What of Li Po in a boat with his bottle? Anything is subject matter for poetry. I love that, you know. <laughs> and, and you learn so much from poetry. Now, I never heard anyone mention an innie turning into an Audi and back again. <laughs> and there you, go. Stressing. <laughs> there you go you got it right there maybe one in a million but by god there it is <laughs> good, good. I, I, one thing i will tell you is that i, I am very easily inspired you know the poetry comes right. to me in, in very easily accessible ways and, and i'm very grateful for that yeah. yeah so many people have a hassle with what to write about and yeah <laughs> I, I think you mentioned lee po i think hanging out with people like him uh, is helpful because they do write about everyday kinds of things. Yeah. And, and it doesn't make you put these big uh, sensors on, oh, that's not worth writing about. Right, right. Uh, it's If it exists, it's, it's worth uh, attempting a poem. Yeah. Perhaps, or at least just recording what you think at the moment. And maybe it won't become a poem. Maybe it will. You know, just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, if, if I can put two words together about something, you know, and, and make it into a poem, you know, it, it, it's it's meant go to be. It. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Why not? yeah, yeah. Do another one. Okay, uh, let's see. How about, um, now this one is, um, this is called Seeing Grackle. Um, this one's actually going to be published in um, uh, Foothills uh, Publishing's Anthology of Birds, uh, which I think is going to be coming out towards the end of this year or early part of next year, not certain. Yeah. Seeing Grackle. How excited she was to share the bird whose feathers had shimmered from black to resplendent in indigo jewels in the right rays of sun. How moved she was by its beauty, this creature she'd never perceived, this creature as common as spring. I started to judge the 31 years of our daughter, the 31 springs of not seeing, noticing only the surface of things. Then I wondered what age was I when Grackle trusted me enough to show himself. Uh, that, was, that was inspired by uh, <laughs> our daughter was living with us briefly. A daughter by my, my, my second marriage, um, so she's my stepdaughter. Um, she was living with us for a little while and she came home. She was so excited, you know, said, man, I saw this bird, you know, and, and it, it, when it turned in the, in the sun, you know, it was just, it was all purple and iridescent. And, you know, I said, well, you know, so what size was it? Blah, 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 blah. You know, I was like, well, that's a grackle. They're around here all over the place. Oh, I'd never seen one before. Well, you had, but you hadn't really seen it. But then I was like, oh, hold on a second, you know, and I got thinking, you know, I was like, so what age was I when I noticed, you know, how, how, unbelievably beautiful a grackle is so that's where yeah. that came from yeah yeah and that's a good point you know mindfulness i think is so i think i was just writing notes to myself about how mindfulness promotes your poetry and poetry promotes your mindfulness yeah yeah it does more attuned you know 
It does. And I, I do, um, uh, when I write poems that are, that especially when they uh, border on the political, let's say, you know, I tend to think of them more as, as poems of concern for humanity. Um, and I don't really, I, I don't overindulge in that. Um, you know, clearly uh, some topics do come up from time to time. I, I don't have any of those with me right now, but, um, um, I, you know, for instance, I, I'm, I'm not a, uh, let's just say that I, I'm, I'm not quite as uh, uh, in tune with, with people who have a, a real flag worship. You know, flag worship is something that really, that seems to come up in my poetry, you know, a, a fair amount. You know, it's like, you know, look, you know, I, I, I get that you respect and, and you, you know, and the, the flag means something, but but you sure are putting a whole lot of stock in, in just a symbol that, that is, you know, really, yeah. you know, it should be more about what our hearts are, not, not the flags that we fly. Yeah. yeah. It's, and speaking of social concerns now, uh, you've uh, mentioned recently uh, that I know through Facebook that, that you're about to embark on uh, a walk basically in support of the Dakota Access Pipeline protesters. And then you want to say a little something about that and then we'll get another poem or two in here. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I am. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, and I'll keep this brief, but um, I, I came to be aware that back in the summer that I was doing some reading on the Trail of Tears and I came across an incident um, that um, – may be aware that one of my ancestors was actually very famously uh, responsible for some very vicious cruelty against the, the Cherokee on the, on the trail of tears. Um, it was, it was devastating to, to learn about this. Um, I wasn't really sure what, you know, what, if anything I was supposed to do with it, but, uh, but it was very much in my consciousness couple weeks ago, I, I, I get a message from, uh, from a woman who um, was asking if I had known her father. And, you know, my name is John Barry. And the guy who was responsible for the cruelty, one of my ancestors, his name was John Barry. And so this woman was, um, she was sending the message from, uh, from Kentucky, which is where my ancestor was from. So I'm like, oh, that's really strange that, that this is coming back up into my awareness again. And then a third thing happened that that um, that really made it very clear that that I was that this was being brought to my attention, and that there was something I needed to do. Um, so that being the long story short, and also being you know as very keenly aware as I am of the of the uh, Standing Rock uh, struggle with the Dakota Access Pipeline, I, I thought that I was um, being called to go to Standing Rock. And, and I don't know, maybe that'll happen in the future. I don't see this, this ending anytime, you know, too soon. Um, but, but something was telling me, no, there, there's something you need to do here. Um, and driving to work one day, I, I was, you know, to be honest with you, I was praying. And uh, um, what came to me is that, you know, you, you need to take a walk. You need to walk from here. We're, we live in Winchester, Virginia, which is uh, kind of the northeastern, or I'm sorry, the northwestern part of, of Virginia. And we're about 80 miles from, from Washington, D.C. And I was like, you know what? You need to take a walk 
to DC on foot, you know, I'm not really going to bring much with me other than a blanket, a journal, so I can write poetry. You always got to have that. Um, sure. And um, my intention is to fast while I'm doing this, uh, drink very minimally, um, uh, carry a sign, and try to bring some awareness to the the, the pipeline. And you know, part of this is, is very much of a personal journey for me and, and the healing that needs to take place um, not only for my ancestors. I mean, my ancestors are from the South and have been since the first settlers were here. That one incident completely aside, I have absolutely no, I'm under no illusions about the cruelties that they inflicted on, on black people and native Americans. I mean, yeah, this, this is what happened and still happens in the South. Um, so there's a great deal of personal healing that uh, uh, that I am feeling called to um, to do my part to heal. Have you set a date for when you're going to do the walk? Uh, I have actually. Um, my original intention was to <clears throat> was to leave on the 14th of November. Um, I think I'm probably actually going to leave on the 16th. But you know, when I first thought of this, I, I wasn't really sure how long it would take me. Um, but, you know, in talking to some people, they're like, well, you can probably do X amount of miles a day. I don't really have a whole lot of intention of, of stopping very much. So I'm pushing it back to the 16th so that I can hopefully arrive in D.C. on, you know, on the following weekend. So some of my uh, my friends and, and family mm -hmm. can, can join me there and make the schedule a little bit easier uh, uh, rather than going, you know, getting there on the, in the middle of the week. So yeah, the 16th of November okay. uh, and I'll be, you know, posting on Facebook, you know, just to keep people sure. surprised of what I'm doing. Uh, but but it, 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 it is the right thing for me to do. Um, it's, it's what, it's that little bit that I can do um, to help raise awareness and, and to begin healing. Um, and a large part of the, this healing process, you know, that, that's come to me is that, the very, very first thing I need to do, and, and I'm working on this, is is to be forgiving uh, of my ancestors and, and their part in all this. Um, um, healing's not going to take place without forgiveness. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got in a little mention there. Uh, people can be looking for that. Can look at on, they can look on Facebook for your progress and just... Or people out there may want to join you. You can let them know how they can do that, I suppose, while you're... Sure. As you're sure. journeying along, that's just really great. Well, we, we have time for for one more poem. So sure. uh, let's, let's hear a poem. This is uh, called Blue. Taking the train of my thoughts one stop at a time. Each siding crowded with eggs, huddling under umbrellas. Even though this is silly because they are eggs, and the rain sheds from their shells, and their colors don't run, even the robin's egg blue as the sky, at a platform quite far, where the crowds are thinner, even empty, except for the sparrows. This, this has been really good, John. It's good to hear your stories, let's say. <laughs> I got a story, story <laughs> actually, as well, as well as your poems. And you, you read them like a guy who's been doing this for a long time. Well, thank you. Not somebody who's come back to it recently, you know. That's a huge compliment. One of the things that that's been so you know that that really has inspired me in all this is is I love getting out in public and reading and speaking. 
a couple of years ago, there's no way in the world. I mean, I, it would be absolutely terrifying for me to do that. And I, I, you know, just shy of writing poetry, reading poetry and connecting with people in public um, is something that, that, that I, I, I enjoy more than anything in the world. Um, well, I so. think, I think the important thing is, is the natural quality. When you read a poem, you're just talking. You don't have any, uh, there are some kind of, I don't know what they are exactly, but I know it when I hear them, little poetic inflections that some people <laughs> make because it's so dark today or whatever. I don't know. Just uh, uh, not natural. And, and natural to me is what comes across the best, you know, puts the emphasis where it should be. And uh, yeah. So anyway, so thanks a lot for being here on Poetry Spoken Here, John. It's been really good. Well, thank you so much, Charlie. spoken here. We've just heard from Virginia poet John Barry, and now this is another chapter in the long story of the tremendous power of poetry. It's a simple tale with an important message. Dementia is a dreadful condition. It robs a person of the ability to be with others, and it frustrates those who love the victim by making it extremely difficult to achieve communication and connect with him or her. I recently received a note from a friend that attests to the power of poetry to reach people, even when they're in an advanced stage of dementia. It's a personal story, but it's a story that generalizes because the ideas underlying it generalize. Here's what she says. Dear Charlie, I went to visit my dear friend with dementia on Friday looking for something to bring her since I had not baked cookies, I saw the small book of poetry, Lakeside Poems, on my dresser. Perfecto! Nancy and Ed had a house on a lake that she loved. After Nancy and I walked outside in an enclosed garden at the memory care unit, we sat inside looking out at fall. I pulled out the book, not even knowing if Nancy can still read, and of course she cannot. So I said, I will read to you. And she lit up like a Christmas tree. The poems are short and lyrical. And as son Mike said, she can hear the rhythm and the sounds of a voice. Nancy so enjoyed, as did I, because I have found a way to be with Nancy, reading poetry. I am so grateful to be introduced to the world of poetry. And now I remember that I have a book of poetry by nurses and I can dig through my poetry as a nurse. The heavens have opened. Nancy's Ed was delighted when I told him, so maybe he will have a way to be with her also. Oh my goodness, my heart's full of gratitude. Hugs, Mary Rose. Thanks for the lovely note, Mary Rose. This is an important lesson here. And it's not to give up, to not despair of making contact. There is no way to know for certain what Nancy got from hearing the poems. But it is certain that the experience gave her pleasure and that reading the poems was a pleasure for Mary Rose as well. The poems connected with a patient's past can give pleasure and evoke a response and they can increase human communication even in the later stages of dementia.
I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this has been Poetry Spoken Here. Join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Munley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. <laughs>